Duncan Holder is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Saints ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers and shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. And it's not just for sports tickets. You can also find music and theater tickets on the GameTime app. So if you want to go to a show, see a big concert, dial up the GameTime app. It'll help you out there. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dad who dad stuff. Who dad, you know, that's really kind of a, a fan, you know, that's that's our 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 chant. Duncan Holder back at you. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here with you on the Athletics Podcast Network for the Duncan Holder Podcast. Of course, if you're listening to this through the Athletic, we appreciate you being a subscriber. But of course, uh, this is our Monday podcast, meaning it's a freebie. So you can go to Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, rate, review, subscribe, do all that jazz uh, of course, this is a week we've been waiting long for uh, as far as college football, uh, LSU off this week, which means that only leads up to one game, the one game that everyone's been looking forward to, LSU, Alabama, officially number one versus number two, according to the AP poll. Uh, we'll talk plenty about that. Of course, Tulane rebounding after a couple of tough losses to a couple of tough teams. They beat Tulsa and they are bowl eligible uh, for the second consecutive year, that is a rarity within the history of the program. We will talk plenty about that in this podcast. But Saints always going to be top of the conversation here on Duncan Holder. They had a bye week. Got to sit back, relax, watch the rest of the week. We got to see Cam Jordan dressed up as an NFL official, a.k.a. a Foot Locker employee at a Pelicans game. And the Saints are just kind of sitting back, watching and sitting pretty at seven and one. And Jeff, let's kind of just start here with the Saints. And I have a column that was posted uh, late Sunday night uh, after all the NFL action on Sunday about the expectation of many people thinking the Saints are going to run through this final two quarters of the schedule. Uh, you've got uh, eight games left. A bye week comes perfectly timed in week nine. And yet, I think we're starting to see a couple of teams, at least on the Saints schedule, that might give them some issues. And uh, they've also got a couple of other issues, I think, that people uh, were nitpicking. But hey, 7-1, and one, uh, there's always an issue or two with the Saints. But Jeff, uh, do you think, let's just start off with this question and this premise. Do you think the expectation for the Saints is a fair one that they should win every game going forward. Is that a fair expectation? No. I mean, if you pull back the lens and say, you know, look at the greater picture, I think it's going to be hard for them to win eight in a row. I mean, that would that would give them, what would it be, 14 wins in a row to end the season? Uh, that would be pretty remarkable. But can they do it? Yes. I mean, I think you and I agree that they're easily – uh, talented and well coached enough to do each game, they would probably be favored in every game 
the rest of the season. But that's not how an NFL season works, you know. I mean, there's there's within that uh, schedule, there's always a game or two where things don't go your way, and the talent level is so minimal, the disparity between teams that you never know. You get into a rock fight, say at Tennessee or just at Carolina on the road, and it looks on paper like it's a game you should be able to win easily. And just things happen. It's way way the NFL always works. I mean, look at Seattle and and Atlanta yesterday. You know, yesterday was it Seattle and Atlanta play yesterday? Who was it? No, Seattle, Seattle and Tampa. Tampa. Yeah, yeah. So Seattle and Tampa. That's a great example. I mean, Seattle was tooth and nail uh, to win that game uh, in overtime. That's how the NFL works. So I'm I'm going to give them one banana peel game in there somewhere where things don't go right and they and they drop it. But I think 14-2 is definitely realistic, and, and I think that's what they'll end up at. Yeah, we've seen banana peel games even with the best of them, uh, games they shouldn't lose, and you're wondering. And I think the savvy Saints fan realizes that one will pop up, whether it's just uh, something crazy, say Atlanta – uh, pun intended, rises up and actually beats them for once or, uh, you know, something like that. And I guess you can't always uh, assume that week 17 is a win, even though that will be at Carolina and could have some importance within the NFC, or it might not. I mean, it might be a week 17, Saints have something clinched, and then uh, you, you let one slip. And so, uh, you know, that's always kind of the mulligan game there, especially last season when we saw that. That was basically a mulligan game. But it goes into kind of one of the things uh, I, I went into in my column. I mean, that was the first time we saw Josh Allen. Uh, not Josh Allen. Um, they've got so many Allen quarterbacks uh, in the NFL. Kyle Allen. Josh Allen's doing great in Buffalo, too. So, hey, <laughs> kudos to him. But, no, but Kyle Allen. I mean, we got a firsthand look at him playing well last year in Week 17. And the Saints play them twice. And I think my biggest sticking point is that I don't think this team is 2013. I don't think they're going to fall away or anything. But, Jeff, if you remember, they went, you know, sprinted ahead in the first half of the season and things kind of slipped up and Carolina kind of caught up and then overtook them by the end of the season. You you know, it's you look at their final eight games and four of them are against teams as of right now that have winning records. And, uh, two of them are against Carolina. One of them is against a team that's undefeated right now, the only one left in the NFL against San Francisco. And then you've got Indianapolis. And, uh, look, Tennessee could be a, a tough matchup on the road. And so uh, I think the fact that they have these games ahead of them, even though the first part of the schedule we could all point to and say, all right, that was the more difficult slate. Uh, but I, I think the fact that the second half of the schedule uh, that – they have games that they can point to and say, all right, these teams are in the race. I think that will be beneficial for the Saints. Well, here's the thing that I look at this Saints team and the one area that I still think can be exploited, the one kink, uh, you know, chink in the armor is their pass defense. And I know they've played well and I know they're much improved, but I still think against an elite quarterback, they can be exposed. And we saw that in the opener when Deshaun Watson went against them. I think the thing that's a positive for the Saints is they don't really play a lot of elite quarterbacks the rest of the way. I mean, Matt Ryan, obviously, you got two games against him, but then you've got games, two games against Carolina with Cal Allen, who's doing a solid job, but no one's going to consider him elite. 
Jameis Winston. I mean, did you see some of those highlights yesterday? That was a, a clown show. Uh, we don't know what's going on with Jacoby Brissett, how injured he is yet. Tennessee's gone to Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is a good, very good young quarterback. Uh, really, I just don't see anybody that poses a threat to what I consider to be the one area they're vulnerable. And I think that's the area that they've got to overcome when they get to the playoffs and try to win a Super Bowl is can they play good enough pass defense? Because their run defense is lights out, and that is not going away. And I think now with Drew back at quarterback and the cavalry charge that should be coming from Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook, eventually maybe Traquan Smith, I think the offense is going to get back on track the way we saw it start to get back on track against Arizona. Uh, so, I, you know, I think they easily could run the table, uh, but if they're going to get knocked off, it, I think a game like at Carolina, you mentioned something like that could easily happen. And Jeff, we're not even sure of the health of Matt Ryan. Look, he last he uh, he missed the the last game. They were yep. on a bye week as well this week, and he's a little banged up. So, uh, you know, if Matt Ryan is a little unsure about his health and the way the Saints have been able to. Get pressure on quarterbacks. I mean, it's not it's not just Kim Jordan. Marcus Davenport's been doing a good job. You know, Trey Hendrickson's back. Uh, and, you know, before he got injured, he got literally like necktied. I mean, he was on a roll. And so, you know, the fact that that part of their offense, uh, 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 that, that part of their defense has been so good. Yeah, I think that will, will certainly help them maybe on the back end. And so you look at uh, the Panthers, though, and you talk about the run defense, but I mean – Look at the way Christian McCaffrey's run the football. Uh, you know, I, I keep spinning back to the two matchups against Carolina because they're still in the race, and the way he's running the football so well. And man, we think Alvin Kamara might touch the ball too much. My goodness, Christian McCaffrey is really all they've got. I mean, it, it's uh, it's pretty amazing to see how durable he's been. And uh, you know, honestly, I think you, I'm waiting for the point where man, something happens to him because he's such in the line of fire and when you play a team like that you could zero in but not every team has the same type of run defense that the Saints has so I think that will be of all the all the games they got I know a lot of eyes are going to be looking at the 49ers game just because of where they sit record wise right now but I think the the two most critical games are the ones against Carolina and I think that's uh it's going to be strength against strength McCaffrey versus that run defense yeah uh, that's a great point I mean McCaffrey's having arguably an MVP level season. I mean, it's pretty remarkable what he's doing. And, you know, I I glanced at the 49ers schedule just to see what they're looking at the rest of the way. And their schedule gets pretty tough here pretty soon. They've got a big game. uh, I think it's next Sunday night uh, against Seattle. That's going to be a huge game in the NFC West. They still got Green Bay. They've got Baltimore. They got to play in Baltimore the week before they come here and play in New Orleans. That's going to be a tough Long road trip for them coming all the way across the country two times in a row. I'm not sure if they're going to stay on the East Coast. Uh, And then they still got games left with the Rams and Seahawks at the end of the season. So I don't think San Francisco is going to end up unbeaten. And I don't even think they're going to end up with less than one loss. I mean, I think they're going to take, you know, take a few L's the rest of the way when the schedule starts to to toughen up. And I think the Saints having that – rabbit out in front of them, if you will, will help keep them motivated because it'd be easy, I think, to get complacent uh, going through some of these games that are coming up where they're going to be really heavily favored. I mean, this week I just tweeted out, Larry, that Saints are 12-point favorites against the Falcons. It's the largest 
point spread uh, matches the largest point spread in the history of the 100-game series. So, uh, you know, that's something the Saints have done well, getting up every week with with Sean Payton and his staff, I think, doing a great job along with the leaders in the locker room, not overlooking opponents. But it's going to get tougher as some of these teams start to fall out of the race. It's funny that we're barely talking about who the next opponent even really is. And usually the Atlanta Falcons could be kind of a, a pest for the Saints. And yet, at least lately, you know, not back in the 09 run when, uh, you know, it seemed like the Saints just, what was it? Scott Shanley called them their, their stepbrothers and he would little just brother, uh, needle them. Yeah, little brother. Yes, they're little brothers. And so and give them noogies and stuff. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's almost like, ah, Falcons, who are they? We're just waiting for Dan Quinn to get fired, basically, is what we're, what we're doing here in New Orleans. And I'm sure Saints fans are hoping that he doesn't get fired so they can stay uh, as bad as they've been. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, you look at that game and you almost figure those are givens. And uh, they're playing at Atlanta on a Thanksgiving night. And I'm guessing that Falcons fans will not turn out in droves. That's just going to be my guess, uh, that that place will be empty and Saints fans will hop on a plane and get there uh, and and, and kind of take over. Uh, that stadium, but but yeah, yeah, I, I think that the 49ers, you look at our midseason across the board uh, staff predictions of midseason MVP and midseason Super Bowl winners, and no one in the poll picked the Niners to win the Super Bowl. No one. That's hmm. I, I think that I think that goes to show you that while they're playing pretty well uh, and they've got a big win over Carolina, I mean, that's their most impressive win. Uh, in my eyes at least, but I think they've got to get through this schedule uh, unscathed for us to be believers in them. Cause I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not totally buying into them yet. No, I watched them against Arizona and they definitely looked pretty vulnerable there. I thought, I do think the addition of Emmanuel Sanders was excellent. I mean, they went right to him. He upgraded their receiving core. That was a big need for them. So I like that move. Uh, George Kittle's health is obviously something they've got to monitor. And they're going to be in the mix. There's no doubt about it. But I think – and look, the Saints can't afford to look ahead, but you and I can, right? I mean, that's what we do. And yes. I think very much uh, that the Saints' number one goal right now, I guarantee you when Sean Payton meets with the team today, they're going to have a goal at some point on the projector of getting that number one seed. It was probably the goal to start the season. And it really has to be that this year when you look at the teams that once again are in the mix, right? San Francisco, Seattle, maybe the Rams can get back in it. Um, Green Bay, uh, those teams all have very difficult uh, uh, hostile home field advantages for an opponent. The Saints do not want to have to go in January to Seattle or Green Bay and play a game in the playoffs with the Super Bowl berth on the line in those kind of environments when they can get home field advantage here. It's such a huge uh, benefit for the Saints, um, that's got to be the number one goal. And and I think it's very attainable for them the rest of the way, looking at how the schedule stacks up. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we're, let's switch gears here uh, in a second. Talk LSU, Alabama, so many different things. It's funny how uh, me, Jeff, and our LSU writer, Brody Miller, we basically had a, a budget meeting earlier this morning <laughs> uh, to go over everything we're going to be writing because there's so many uh, different avenues you could take. So we'll talk LSU, Alabama. Uh, we'll talk Tulane being uh, bowl eligible again. Uh, we'll do that in a second. But uh, look, 
Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I've had a long day or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash DH and complete an online visit. Just go to Roman.com slash DH to get a free online visit and a free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash DH for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash DH. So now, Jeff, let's move on, talk a little Saints. Uh, I mean, LSU, Alabama. And I'm not sure if we totally expected this to be one versus two. We probably expected a top 10 matchup at the beginning of the season uh, because we weren't sure how this offense would work for LSU. We weren't sure if they were going to go to Texas and win, if they were going to beat Florida, if they were going to beat Auburn. I mean, there's a reason why they're ranked number one because their resume is so prolific. But now we're here, Jeff. And it's funny, I talked to friends and they're all wondering what I'm thinking about the game. And Maybe I'm in the minority, I feel like. I feel, as we get closer to this game, I feel more nervous for LSU. I feel like maybe three weeks ago, after like Florida, all right, LSU, they're going to beat Bama, no problem. And as we get closer, maybe it's just the, uh, the thoughts of what happened the last several years, going back to the, the national championship game where they got pummeled, but... I, I just think it's a nerve-wracking game, uh, and it's not that for Alabama. It's uh, They just probably assume they're going to walk in and win, but I think for LSU, even their best shot right now, I still think it's a nerve-wracking week uh, uh, for people up in Baton Rouge. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about it. You know, I was doing a, a spot yesterday on Fox 8, and Juan Kincaid asked me who I thought the most pressure was on in this game. And I think it's still got to be LSU because they haven't gotten over the hump, right? I mean, they've lost eight in a row in the series. Uh, Alabama has just dominated them. Last year was uh, almost, I would say, embarrassing for LSU, how they got dominated on their home field after all the emotion pregame and everything that went into it. So I think LSU mentally comes into this game with a couple of couple of factors. One, the revenge factor, I think, is very real for them. I think they probably had this game circled on the calendar since – the uh, schedule came out. Uh, so I think they're going to get – Alabama's obviously going to get LSU's A game with everything that's on the line. But I think at some point in the game, if LSU falls behind, there could be that here-we-go-again mentality and they could start pressing. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I could see that happening just because of the historical run that Alabama's on uh, in this series. So I'm really e- eager to see how this game plays out and how LSU game plans for this game, I think getting off to a good start more than ever is important in this game. How much do you think the venue makes a difference? Because I just don't think 
Bryant-Denny Stadium, while I'm sure it's loud and this, that, and the other, I don't think that is going to be a major factor. Uh, Jeff, do, do you think it's going to be a major factor? I mean, I mean, just because I feel like Texas was pretty raucous and they were able to handle that. Uh, they've obviously handled any kind of road element they've had uh, all season long. I just don't think that the venue is as big of a deal. And really, I don't think it should be that much of a speaking point this week. Do you? No, that's a great point. I mean, th- I think, look, you were at Texas. That looked like a pretty wild scene to me, hostile for a visiting team, and LSU thrived in it, right? Um I think the Swamp is probably, next to Tiger Stadium, the toughest place to play in the SEC. Uh, LSU won last year at Auburn. Uh, I think Joe Burrow, he's the kind of guy that handles that. He almost embraces the moment and and the challenge of going into a venue like this. So they've got the right guy to get them in the right play, to get them out of the wrong play, to do everything that needs to be done, I think, on the offensive side of the ball. I'm a little worried defensively if things start – going awry, how they handle it, because they've they've shown some kinks in the armor there as well. But I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think playing at Bryant-Denny Stadium is going to unravel LSU, not this LSU team that's kind of been through the gauntlet already. And, Jeff, the other storylines – look, there's so many storylines, and we're going to talk more about this uh, in our Thursday podcast, uh, which is, of course, behind The Athletic's paywall. So uh, subscribe, uh, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. Jump on that bad boy. But uh, because we're going to hear from Ed Ogeron throughout the week, players speak. We're, of course, we're recording this Monday morning. They'll speak later on today. And I know you're going to be heading up there and, and getting a sense of of what everyone's thinking and what everyone's feeling. And to me, though, uh, is this is this a, kind of a weird premise that I think the pressure, because of what's happened around college football, I feel like maybe the pressure isn't on as much this game than maybe in other years just because if this game is close, the loser is going to get into the college football playoff. Barring that it's the only game they lose. I mean, I do I am, am I kind of mistaken in thinking that, or let's just do you think, man, they're going into this and let's, uh, boy, they can't afford to lose any of these games. Well, I think LSU has less pressure in that regard for sure because I think their schedule is much easier. They have uh, left on the schedule Ole Miss, Arkansas, and AM in Tiger Stadium. They're not going to lose any of those games. I feel pretty confident. Uh, whereas Alabama still has to play Auburn. We always know that's a crazy game in the series, and Auburn's certainly capable, as we as LSU saw, the way they played uh, LSU um, earlier this year. Uh, they're capable of beating Alabama. So I think there's in that regard, you're right. As long as neither one of these teams gets routed, and I would be shocked if there's a blowout in this game, I think the, the loser's going to uh, be able to fall back uh, on getting that fourth seed in the college football playoff, assuming everybody else runs the table. And right now it's hard to think anyone's going to beat Ohio State the way they're playing. And Clemson, certainly, the, the ACC so far down, I don't see anybody beating them either. Uh, so it would look to me like uh, you're right. Uh, there's, it's not a, an all-or-nothing game for, for either team. I'm wondering, though, and this is just me thinking aloud as we're talking about this, uh, do voters – 
or the poll or how, you know, it's like how many people are on, on the committee? I don't know, 20. I, I don't know the number off the top of my head. But what if they have Alabama fatigue and they assume, all right, say if LSU beats Alabama and LSU's resume, even if they would lose some, say they lost in the SEC championship game, I think LSU would get in anyway. But I feel like that their resume is far more impressive than Alabama's. And I'm wondering if someone flies in and uh, says, uh, you know, another school that's out there should get in over Alabama because their schedule wasn't all that tough. You know, I'm just thinking out loud of scenarios where that might not work out for both. Yeah, that's possible. But I just think the SEC has such incredible uh, street cred and reputation, um, even this year where it seems like it's a little down this year to me, um, both LSU and Alabama, where they're at right now in the polls, I could, I would have trouble seeing them drop very far. But there wouldn't be – I mean, there would be no margin for error, you know. You, I could see one of these teams winning this game, getting in the SEC championship game against, say, like a, a, a fired-up Georgia or Florida team. And, and having the banana peel game, that could happen. Uh, so then what happens? It would throw everything, uh, like you mentioned, I think, uh, into disarray, how the rankings would – how people would see each of these teams if something like that were to happen with the uh, recency bias that we have sometimes in, in rankings in the polls. Yeah, and also it's almost like the same thing when it comes to – the Heisman race, say, if, you know, it took one game for Jalen Hurts to be like, oh, nope, you're out. And they're, they're right. tired of Oklahoma quarterbacks <laughs> winning the Heisman. And that's a little more, uh, you know, subjective just because you have so many voters with so many differing opinions and you have three first place votes and this, uh, you know, one, you're voting one, two, three, this, that, and the other. Uh, but of course, the other big element into the game that everyone's going to be talking about, I'm going to be writing about specifically is the, uh, and this is the eliminator in my mind. It's the Tua Tagovailoa versus Joe Burrow Heisman Trophy WrestleMania 88 main event. Whoever wins this game is going to win the Heisman because there's not going to be a, a slip off. And I don't think there's going to be uh, maybe. Well, maybe I'm wrong. If say if Joe Burrow or Tua slips up in the SEC championship game. And loses votes, and someone catches him like Kyler Murray caught Tua last year. I mean, do you think that there's anyone out there that could overtake someone in that sense of scenario? I just don't feel it this year, uh, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe I'm just being naive. No, I don't think so. I think you're spot on. I mean, I, I think there's Oklahoma fatigue. People saw Jalen Hurts at Alabama. That's still in their mind, and and the fact that. <laughs> Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray both won it consecutive years. Jalen Hurts is not going to win the Heisman. I think whoever emerges from this game and wins is going to win it. And I think it's going to be an incredible subplot to this game. And I think, frankly, Larry, whoever, assuming the quarterbacks play the key roles in this game that they played for their teams all season, uh, you have one narrative, of course, <clears throat> Tua coming back from injury. If he wins the game, there's going to be the heroic narrative of him you know, coming back from this injury in the big game of the year. And then the other one, of course, is the Joe Burrow storyline, which is incredible, uh, leaving Ohio State, uh, having this breakout season. So I, I think there's an easy storyline, a, a plot for whoever uh, pulls this game off. 
I'll take it even a step further. How about the storyline of whoever wins this game goes higher in the draft? I think that might be something to be said there too. And Jeff, I'm I'm thinking back on now they might not face each other in the national championship game. Maybe they do. I don't know. We might get this matchup again, but it almost reminds me of say like Vince Young leapfrogged Matt Leiner in that draft uh, because I'm thinking probably before that year, no one was assuming that Vince Young would be drafted higher than Matt Leinart. And, uh, you know, so, and that was that epic matchup and, you know, mano a mano, even though the Heisman was already decided because that was a national championship game. But I think every NFL team that needs a quarterback that's, let's see, you could point to the Bengals. You could point to, of course, the Miami Dolphins, who tried to s- screw that up by actually winning a game yesterday <laughs> against the Jets. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I do think that in NFL ties, uh, whoever plays well could have that little extra step. Like if Joe Burrow wins that game, he might jump to a. And I don't think that's a, a too far fetched of a thought. And what an incredible. Um you know, occurrence if that happens, right? If Joe Burrow ends up going, say, number one in the draft or even top five, where did he start the year? Was he even in the top three rounds? I don't think I would so. say our, uh, yeah, our draft expert, Dane Brugler, said before this year uh, that at maximum, some of the scouts that and some of the grades that Joe Burrow was looking at was like fifth round. So it was, it, it is a meteoric. Rise, but it's also a totally different offense. We're, we've talked about so many times outside of the Stone Age, just that and the other. It's like, oh, when you modernize something and have him play in a pro offense, he's he's incredible. So it's you know, it, it wasn't that Joe Burrow just all of a sudden got better. He always had the skills, uh, but when you eliminate the the poor scheming, uh, it, it can certainly show that a quarterback like him. Uh, can certainly play, I, and I think play well uh, when when it comes to the NFL. Yeah, it just shows you how important a scheme is. I mean, Jalen Hurts is a, another good example of that. Um, we see it with the Saints, right? I mean, we see it all the time. Um, players that come here thrive in, in the Sean Payton system and then go elsewhere and they drop off a cliff. Jimmy Graham, uh, Robert Meacham, Lance Moore was a little up in age when he left, but – you know, the only one I can think of is Reggie Bush played better and Mark Ingram obviously is thriving in Baltimore. But Joe Burrow in this system is going to give every NFL coach confidence in drafting him because they're, he's basically running a pro-style system that's as sophisticated probably as any in college and he's thriving in it. So he's going to be a guy I think that could step right in and play right away and not have that one-year kind of redshirt season that you see a lot of first-round picks have to go through. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's switch gears uh, to Tulane. Deserves all kinds of credit. Bouncing back after losses at Memphis and at Navy and won the game they've won. And, Jeff, they've won this year every game they were supposed to win. And I'm not just talking Vegas, but every game we look at and say, all right, they should win this game, they have. And even the Army game – uh, they were favored, but that, uh, of course, is a tough matchup because Army's good. But no, Tulane beats Temp, uh, goes up and uh, beats Tulsa at Yulman Stadium. Packed house uh, from uh, everything that I've seen. Uh, great crowd, great environment. Uh, they're bowl eligible for the second consecutive year. And, Jeff, look, we 
watched and almost you and me texting in different press boxes in di- from different states <laughs> during this run the past couple of weeks. We're wondering, uh-oh, uh, what is going to happen here to Tulane? But uh, I think it just goes to show you that uh, you could lose a couple of games and kind of right the ship. And now it's just an assumption that they should be bowl eligible, and they are again. And, uh, you know, these next three games are, are not going to be easy. Uh, all games that uh, I wouldn't even want to call toss-ups. I think maybe that Tulane might be the underdog in all of them uh, at Temple, taking on UCF and SMU. But bowl eligible again. And for a program like that, that is – maybe the most relevant thing that they could have done because you need to sustain success to push and be and have maybe bigger, higher goals for like uh, conference championships and and maybe, uh, you know, possibly getting into one of the the New Year's six. Yeah, I mean, I think just getting bowl eligible back-to-back years, I mean, the last time that happened was 1980. 1979, back-to-back, they went to the Liberty Bowl and the Hall of Fame Classic, whatever that is. We're talking Larry Smith and Vince Gibson era. So, yes, uh, it's hugely important, I think, for the momentum of the program. I think they got to get a win somewhere here in the next three weeks, though, don't you? I mean, the next three games, I should say. Uh, I don't think they need to finish this season with a three-game losing streak. It's just not going to feel... Right. So I think they've got to get a win somewhere. I don't know who they're going to get it against because I think all three of these games are, uh, like you said, toss-ups, maybe maybe even underdog status for each of them. But if they could pull off a win there and, and get to eight wins, um, I think it would be a huge accomplishment and another clear sign that the program is uh, you know, taking a step forward under Willie Fritz. Yeah, look, at Temple, maybe. Uh, look, I think SMU is going to be tough. Now, who knows? Maybe SMU falls off the map. They lose at Memphis in a wild game. and uh, But it also just goes to show you all the teams we're talking about. Uh, look, I feel crazy in saying this. I feel like Tulane's schedule is almost as better than Alabama's schedule. I mean, Alabama right. doesn't play anybody. And I feel like the, almost the strength of the AAC – uh, is a little better than uh, definitely some of the power fives like the uh, like the AAC, the ACC, uh, and yes. maybe part of the Big Ten. And, uh, you know, it just goes to show you that Tulane's not just winning in an inferior conference anymore. They're winning in a conference that's chock full of talent. And, you know, it's uh, this is, except for the a two-week kind of gl- uh, gloom period, I mean, this should help. Tulane going forward. I mean, that's what it is. It, it's it's all about rebuilding the program. And, you know, people even at Tulane are, uh, you know, the staff and part of the athletic department, they're realistic. Like, they understand that it's step by step by step. And you can't just have a blip. And, uh, you know, to me, I, I think it's kudos all around to, to them. And I know it's helping them in recruiting. I'm curious to see once we get through National Signing Day how each of these steps – helps improve their talent level. Yeah, you know, I was at, speaking of, I was at Newman's game on Saturday night against Cohen, and uh, Newman has a, their star receiver, Jamron Sutherland, has been offered by Tulane, and I know he's heavily considering going to Tulane, and that's a guy that would be a great get for them, a local, you know, local product who 
uh, frankly, I think could probably play anywhere. I mean, he's an excellent player. Uh, we've seen it. I, w- I was at a game against St. Charles Catholic where their big defensive tackle is a, a two-lane commit. So we're seeing the the fruits of of what Willie Fritz has done with the program. And you're right, Larry. I mean, who would have thought the American Athletic Conference West Division would be what it is? Navy, SMU, and Memphis all have only one loss. Uh, all, you know, have been either ranked this year or on the verge of being ranked. Uh, you could make the argument that that conference, uh, division of that conference is as good as any of the some of these Power Five conferences. So I think getting into a bowl, if they can win one more game, get to – get to seven wins, get a bowl win, would be a, a really nice way to put a bow on, on this season and Willie Fritz's fourth, fourth year. The beauty of this podcast, uh, I'm, uh, I'm at home and we're recording and my four-year-old son is asking if I'm finished. So does <laughs> that mean it. I have to be finished? I'm not I sure. but uh, so. <laughs> because that uh, works. He's, I, I, he's, Taking over for Danielle, he's uh, going to be our new producer, our assistant. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, he could give me the hook. So, so, uh, <laughs> so can Danielle. But all right. So let's wrap up this edition of the Duncan Holder podcast. Of course, look, Thursday is going to be hot and heavy. Saints, Falcons. Of course, more LSU, Alabama. Uh, look, we'll, we'll touch on Tulane as well. And uh, it, this is going to be one of the more fun weeks. Uh, it, it reminds me, Jeff, even though the NFL matchup isn't as big. Uh, I think there's a lot of momentum. Uh, Saints fans are looking forward to the second half of the season. Of course, even higher stakes for LSU, Alabama. So it reminds me of kind of the the, la- the last week uh, we had LSU, Bama. The Saints, of course, had Saints Rams, which uh, who knew at that point how big that game would have actually been uh, going forward. Uh, they won that and got home field advantage. So uh, so we'll be talking all about that in our podcast later on this week. And of course, this podcast. You can catch it on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get all your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. And our Thursday pods on the Athletic Podcast Network is behind the paywall. So jump in and subscribe. You can do that at theathletic.com slash New Orleans or theathletic.com slash dunk and holder. So I want to thank Danielle uh, for putting up with us as always. And uh, Jeff, we're going to have a good time this week. And uh, we will be back here on Thursday for another edition of of the Duncan Holder podcast. So for Jeff, I'm Larry. Thanks for joining us.